Welcome to another episode of Michael Quaver Presents. This is the long-awaited, much-anticipated Dating Lessons Part 2. I'd written down so many notes in the first episode, they didn't all make it. There's been some social media feedback, some email, and so that may be part of this show. But we've got an entire lesson plan that's going to take several episodes to play out. So if you're listening on iTunes or iHeartRadio, you subscribe, you share it, make sure you get everything. I know this has been entertaining for me, but the math and science does not lie. These have been some of the most popular episodes thus far, and I'm very happy that anybody's listening to me. So if you have anything in terms of feedback, reach out to me. I'm very easy to find. The links are at the bottom of the podcast. Um, And obviously, many folks uh, know how to get a hold of me uh, through my Facebook writing page, which is where you can read some of my other uh, linguistic work. But uh, I'll tell you what, I'll follow up this uh, dating episode number one by leading off with the end of the Chrissy story that started. That was the older lady who, she had just, you know, had a platonic conversation with me because uh, the age difference, just different factors, not an interest in pursuing. But because we had thrown a few ideas around about how to basically catch someone lying or to verify, you know, to have security about what somebody's telling you. And I had encouraged her. I said, look, add them on social media. Have a voice call. Have a video call. Leave voice messages back and forth. These are the things that you would have a hard time continuing to catfish somebody with. And also, when you ask all those open-ended questions and things, you're going to get some wild results. I mean, you may get nothing because someone's not creative. You may get a lot if someone is very creative. And surely that's what you're looking for to be mentally stimulated and have somebody who is um, going to impress you. Those are the folks who, if they work out, they're going to plan your Valentine's Day and buy your Christmas presents. And that creative mind is the one that would surprise you if you pursue that relationship and you're monogamous, right? That's all you're ever going to have. So whatever's in that well is what you have to drink from. And uh, the follow-up to the Chrissy uh, thing from the episode one is she contacted me a couple of weeks later and told me that she was very happy and her coworkers had been laughing that um, they had had several interactions with different people. And those interactions had led to them being able to laugh as ladies around the office and sort of put guys on the spot, guys who would come up short, people who were full of it, and they were able to just call them out on their BS or to quickly dismiss them and not waste time. So they said that was a very good premise for them to use from now on. You just add people, you investigate them a little bit maybe, you throw those open-ended questions out there and you're able to filter people a lot better. And I've, I've said this about the dating thing. It's like the job application. You need to know what qualifications you're looking for and then make sure that everybody meets those things. And to, you know, anything that is uh, with auditioning people for a relationship would be like when you have a probationary period with any employment, right? Give them X number of days and violations and, right? Come up with your own system. But have fun with it. You know, for God's sakes. The next thing on the list was because I used to work for Brinker, and I told some Brinker stories in the last episode, 
there was a young lady named Amanda. And some of my coworkers listened to this episode, and specifically a lady I've known for many years now. And uh, she was not too happy about me telling dating stories, but I think the two of us are getting our heads together. We'll, we'll be able to coexist, uh, even if we don't agree on and sort of airing out stories like this. But uh, Amanda, and I'm not going to tell her last name, uh, had added me on a dating profile. And this has been at least four or five years ago because I know which restaurant I was working at. Um, and this location that I was working at over in Greensboro, I was getting out of the car one day and um, texting her back because she'd had a phone call with me. Um and the night before, we'd had about a two-and-a-half-hour phone call. Um, and she said a lot of very personal things in that phone call, let's say. I got a message from her originally on social media, and she threw a few insider restaurant terms in there about 86-something or whatever, right? Okay. And she eventually says, well, I don't ever message people first. And obviously, we work in the same place. I guess she'd seen my work shirt in one of my pictures. And she said, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want you to be able to like cost me my job. And I thought, well, that's a that's a very flattering thing to tell me that I could like you know use my influence to, to get you fired. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that um, it, I've been telling folks, if you say that someone is capable of something, you're basically painting them in this mischievous light. Why should I trust you? Why wouldn't you trust me? The old Robert F. Kennedy quote. Some men see things as they are and say, why? I dream things that never were and say, why not? So Amanda exchanges some messages with me. We have a telephone call. And I'm walking around my living room. I'm talking to her for about, um, <coughs> I'm sorry about the coffin. Huh, that's what the undertaker said. Well, anyway, I was walking around my living room. I'm talking to her. I like to walk and talk and pace. If you've ever been around me while I'm talking, a lot of times I don't sit down. I like being, you know, handsy and standing up. And Handsy's not the right word. Um, I like talking with my hands, using mannerisms, you know, like episode three. So anyway... She tells me a lot of different things. She says, you know, she's basically not having to look for anybody or she could have anybody at work or she's going to get a great butt or whatever it was, you know. And I said, then why do you have a dating profile? What are you looking for? And um, she told me, well, I'm looking, you know, for just this one person. And, you know, I want a guy who's got, you know, the different qualities of being able to be trustworthy and be good around the house. And she had a kid and, you know, um, just doing different things that would be family-oriented, right? What any girl could want. And so we're bullshitting around. And I have this mind that inquires about different parts of you, okay? Like, how long has it been since you've been on a date? Or are you currently, like, sleeping with anybody or something like that? Because that... Right? Are you you're looking for a relationship, but you but do you have a relationship, or then but you? So those those decisions to me become 
how you value yourself. You know, you're giving yourself away to a person who you don't have a relationship with, and then you're going to jump into a relationship. All right. Well, what happens if you date this guy and you tell him all these things, but then you're not sleeping with him? Mm. But you told him you were sleeping with this guy, and he was worthless. He's he's getting thrown away to come to me. But I can't get the basic things that he was getting. That that can confuse the human mind if you're trying to compare those things. And you could come at it from a different angle and say, well, this is more special and whatever. And I go, well, you're right. It's more special. But the benefits package that you're giving to me is some different you know, tier. It's a different it's on a different schedule or a different timeline than this other guy who is nothing. You know, you let him in the door all the way in the cookie jar. So, you know, I just, I thought about it for a while and um, I just kind of said to myself, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to approach this in different ways with her. Like, why, why are you messing with him? If he's, is he that great? Because if he's that great, why are you looking? Well, I don't know. Like, we don't see each other much. We don't communicate. Well, I said, right. So those are the things you're looking for in a relationship. You want to be able to communicate. You want consistency. Ex- excellent. You know. And I said to myself, well, then you've answered your own questions. I mean, these are the things that you need to look for in somebody. And, you know, you're talking to me. So lay it all out there. Like, I'm not going to judge you or whatever. And we start talking about different, you know, she's had ugly things that happened in the past, you know, guys mistreat her, guys would lie to her, guys would whatever. Okay. So she ends up telling me that she's, you know, seeing this guy, but I said, well, it must not be that great. Well, I don't know, you know. Okay. Very quickly, what you may think is just the greatest food, the greatest delight, the greatest experience in the world may be at the top of your current scale. You may find out as time goes on (coughs) that your scale is missing a great deal of room at the top. You've been settling for what was like C+. D plus. Well, I thought that's what every what a relationship was like, and until I met him, and he rubbed my feet, and he brought me flowers, and gave me chocolates, and right, and the same thing can be true for your intimacy. So, I just you know kind of threw it at her, and I said, "Well, you know, not the greatest." Well, I mean, I said, "Well, tell you what, do you have trouble with it?" <coughs> and she said, "What do you mean?" I said, well, some people have issues from the past. They've either uh, run into an issue um, from, and I I used to use this three-point question. Um, Perhaps at some point you've been diagnosed with something. You have to take a medical, for medical reasons, I guess. You have to take um, any kind of medication that would lower your drive. No? Okay. Well, the other questions are basically divided for humility purposes only. Um, From the age of 0 to 16 or 16 an hour, you make up the ages. Something happened to you that was unfortunate. And so, and she said, well, yeah, these school boys used to... (coughs) I said, "That's, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to hear, right? Because 
um, as, as I said to her, that um, anything that she was getting ready to say out loud, she was going to associate that memory with me, and I didn't want to be associated with terrible memories. Uh, not just because I asked. If you ever reach a point where you come out and you just want to share with somebody, completely different thing. You drag it out of somebody, you're going to be ingrained in that memory, like in their databanks. You don't want that. Okay? So she told me that. <coughs> I said, well, there's the answer to your question. That's why you're you're having trouble with, you know, really getting to the next level of, you know, having, you know, your, your pleasure go off the charts. And... She said, oh, well, that makes sense. And, you know, and we talked a little while longer and she was going to arrange to, you know, have like a dinner date with me or something. And of course, we we work for the same company. So uh, different locations. So we discussed a few more things and BS around and then it came time to get off the phone. OK, that was the end of that. What I was talking about, I was in Greensboro. <coughs> I got out of the car the next day in the parking lot. I'm, I'm trying to text this young lady and see what's going on. She's like, I, I can't talk to you. I can't see you. Now, so, wait a minute. You had a, an extensive telephone call with me, right? You shared, like, I would think what you shared with me was far more sacred than when you shared your body with other people. Like, that's a big deal. That's making an investment. And she said, no, that's the whole thing. Like, now you know all this stuff. You're going to judge me. You're, you know, I said, I don't, I don't feel that way. She said, well, just the same. Like, I don't think I could look you in the eye. And, you know, I appreciate everything. And and that was the end of it. And I thought to myself, like, what a... <laughs> what? Like, you try to get to know somebody, get them to open up to you. And then they come back and they say, well, I opened up too much. This, you've had too much of me. And I thought to myself, is that the same thing as when people... uh fool around too early in a relationship you think that sex like kills the whole thing you know you've now we've fast forwarded it now we've gone too far we can't go back maybe I, I don't but that's all i could think of it when it happened so it it behooves me to try to make sense of that because i'm not in her mind i certainly can see it from that point of view i mean i've had many um I don't know that I would call them arguments, but I have spoken at great length about being empathetic or being a person who understands something from the other person's point of view. Well, these are my feelings, and my feelings are valid. And and I said, okay, well, you're feeling those things, but they only have a value to you. I can't feel your feelings. You can describe them to me, and so I can try to, like, you know, dance around making you feel bad but at the end of the day like if your feelings are in the way of like progress and logic and like where the best decision is i guess you're gonna have to deal with your feelings i don't feel like i should wash my hands when i come out the bathroom and they go now nah, we're gonna have to make you because that's part of the health code and it's just i mean there's simple things like that but you may say well this is an everyday conversation and i remove for the most part I remove the individual from the situation that's going on, and it applies to anybody. It's not about you, mother. That's <laughs> there's this wrestling interview with Kevin Nash. It's not about you, motherfucker. So um, that's what I would tell somebody, and and I tried to explain that to this uh, to the young lady, to Amanda, and say, look, you know, you should be proud. Like now, you don't have as much ground to cover. 
right? Now we're more we're familiar. We've we've made this like progress. Like, how in the world could you even think that way? And she just said, "Oh, this is how I am," you know. Um, I just can't. Like, I, I don't know how to wrap my head around why you would make that sort of um, investment. Why you'd have a lengthy conversation, uh, especially of that nature, and share that much if you were never going to be able to see that person. And maybe she didn't know that until later, but I thought to myself, maybe there is this dangerous territory that you can get into where you try to find out too much too fast, or you find out like what's behind the curtain, and uh, they are very protective of that. And so now, like, I can tell you, but I'm going to have to kill you. And that's what it felt like. It felt like some kind of top secret situation. She told me because we were trying to figure each other out. But then she squashed it. And it was, you know, it was sad. You know. My next point that I have here written is is because I was sticking with the restaurant theme. I've seen the, <laughs> the girls. Some of the people that I've worked with, and this has happened everywhere even a girl I was dating the last couple of years, she she at some point was talking about for financial reasons. Well, you know, they've got websites where you can sell pictures or you can wear garments and then mail them off to somebody and they'll pay you for them. And I thought, oh, like, yeah, but there's no exchange rate. The U.S. Treasury does not dictate whatever the cost of your dignity is and you don't really get it back. So, you know, <coughs> please don't be going down that road. And fellas, or anybody who's listening to this, especially my, my, my buddy Chris, old Kaepernick over there, uh, you can use lines like that on anybody you want. Some girl's giving you trouble, or so they're trying to say, hey, here's my pictures, you want to buy them? And you go, no, I don't want to buy your dignity, so like you just keep it and stop doing that crap and get a job. Because once you do that, you can't get it back. You know, I'm not, there's so much information now. It seems improbable that your kids would run across your pictures on the internet one day, but they might. You know, it's impossible if they're not out there. It's improbable once you do it. So think about that. <coughs> you know, the next thing I've got here is that <laughs> I said to people, you should pay, uh, you should play. Let's enunciate correctly here. You should play 20 questions with people. Now, I had a lady point out at one point that 20 questions is a guessing game to get to figure out whatever an object is, that it's it's beating around the bush. And I said, well, it in this case, it's kind of beating around the bush. It really depends on whether there is a bush, number one. And number two, it's only beating around the bush metaphorically because your idea of the 20 questions, or at least my motivation behind it was just to sit there and say look here's you come up with something crazy and and i'll answer it and i'll come up with something crazy and you answer it now you know each other better there's the object at the end i assume is the to be the object of affection i don't know but i'm sure that we could twist this metaphor back around you know old michael craver he could he could make something out of anything but um sometimes you end up with people you want to play, you know, or get to know them and stuff. And, and people give you disingenuous or what I would call facetious responses. You know, I've got this line that I used to use on people. I don't know how much sense it makes. You be the judge. But I would say, you know, you're too far away from the kitchen. <coughs> Been a long night. I say, you're too far away from the kitchen sink to be talking like that. 
I said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're, you're nowhere near the kitchen sink, but you're being facetious, you know. And then the, the follow-up to that is basically, you know, somebody tells you they don't understand it. And I said, well, you know, it's a line about a faucet, but it doesn't have you in it. Which sounds like some kind of personal attack. It doesn't even make any fucking sense. But if you say that to somebody, a lot of times they'll make it make sense. People that have that negative mirror inside of them, you say something silly to them. They go ahead and reflect that back into themselves. It's like when you um, throw food coloring in something and they can't get it out, you know. It's just sad. But when you're trying to play, um, let's like this, what I was saying about 20 questions. When you try to do that, it, you're genuinely trying to take the time to, to bounce back and forth. And there's a secondary reason that I came up with that or that I decided it would be a good thing when I was trying it, right? Because back then when I was trying to do that stuff, people would come and go. You know, they'll exchange a few messages and disappear. So you say, well, how about playing 20 questions? Now, mathematically or theoretically, you're going to say 20 things. They're going to answer 20 times. They're going to ask 20 things, and you're going to answer 20 times. So you're guaranteed like 80 messages now, whereas the, you know, the common person might exchange less than a couple of dozen. It was a way to extend the conversation and, and hopefully try to give it some fucking legs. Plus, you ought to know whatever you want to know about the other person. you got 20 questions to ask them. A lot of times there's not 20 fields on an application to fill out. So that's a hell of an opportunity if you follow through with it. You know what I mean? And so, uh, I mean, you know, that's, that's one of those things. Those 20 questions, and I have another note here that says, let me tell you about my situation. There's... There's where you want to investigate for your dating purposes or otherwise. The security of what you're doing with your time. Because let me tell you, folks, if you are trying to go out there and meet somebody, you want to make sure that they are, let's say their time is available for you or that they have the resources if you're going to start dating to be able to, number one, see you. Number two, if you move in together, they could pay the rent or whatever other personal responsibilities they even bring into the equation. If they got kids, make sure they're already taking care of your kids. Unless you're just looking to adopt or make sure, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm sure there's people out there who make enough money or they would just walk into the ideal situation and say, look, I, I would love to have a family. So if I need to be uh, financially responsible and I'm going to be the stepdad or I'm going to I'm going to take care of it. I don't know how many of those guys exist, but there are plenty of people on the other end who are single parents and they're looking for somebody basically to save them. You know how many times I've heard somebody say, let me tell you about my situation. And it ends up. They're disabled, or they're out of work, or they don't have a car, sometimes all three. And I go, well, how do your kids get around? How do you even get money? Well, right now I live with you know, such and such. And I thought, just you. I can't, man. This is the reason that people like get run off of these platforms, because you need to get your act together and be spending your time on like the LinkedIn, the Monster, or some other kind of platform to get a job. Snag a job, whatever. 
get your foot in the door somewhere. If it's a quick service restaurant or a gas station, whatever it might be, and start, you know, putting some money in the bank and paying your own way. And I mean, Jesus, if you don't do some of that stuff, you'll never build your credit. You'll never have a tax history. And quite frankly, you can't get off the ground, right? You got to do something about it. And, you know, what I understand from folks like that is basically like if they could, if they can go fishing and find the right guy, he's going to be the one to get them off the ground. He'll, you know, he'll put up with them and, and maybe get some food for them and get all this stuff going. And let me tell you, speaking of the food thing, this is not written down, This is, but this comes to mind. There's a, a heavy number of people who are spam or um, catfishing fraudulent sort of accounts. If you ever go out and you're trying to do your date and stuff, remember this. Uh, they're on Facebook. They're everywhere. They send messages to my writing page from Somalia and everywhere all the time. And um, you'll see where they'll send you a couple of messages and then they're like, well, I'm just trying to make sure that my kids got food for the end of the week or my phone's getting cut off or whatever. And I was like, you know... If you're having trouble buying groceries, you ought to take the smartphone or the tablet or whatever you're using to get on this dating app and sell it so that you can buy some groceries. So I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take a break and let you go do that, and you just come back to me in a couple of weeks whenever you got all your finances straightened out. What do you mean? You're not gonna help me? <laughs> I said, does it sound like I'm trying to help you? I'm giving you the tools to use the resources that are right in your hands. Turn that phone into some money. Anthony will appreciate this. Uh, it's like uh, Sam Kennison had this old, he was talking about the Soviet Union collapsed, and, you know, basically people had to turn in everything they owned because the currency wasn't worth anything, like when you're giving your cooter away. And he's talking about Sam <laughs> it's my favorite, man. Sam Kennison's the people's pawn dealer. Come turn in your, uh, come turn in your ring, come turn in your car, and he'll, uh, He'll give you enough money to eat one meal, you know. And you think, well, man, you work a lifetime to own those things. Right. You work a lifetime to, you know, be upstanding and, and have your virginity and, and dignity and everything else before um, giving it away to people. So, you know, think about that as you're out there, um, as, as I used to say, slinging pussy. Um, because you don't want to be doing that. But it's, I, I got needs and I got, yeah. Well, the equivalent would be, you know, to to do the same thing with drugs or alcohol or, you know, some people traffic their children when they get to a point like that. It's, I mean, there's some very tragic turns that people take in these situations, and I hate to hear that, and I hate to see it, but you negotiate certain things, and those are consequences uh, that can't be paid back. So, yeah, I understand. You, you made decisions you got to be single you you know you you made children and now you don't have the relationship or that person is not around and there's financial responsibilities okay but the catfishing people who are on those things i mean this is just ridiculous and uh somebody there's been plenty of people uh you know i gotta do such and such for the end of the week and i said then you better get on it right here is the linkedin and monster and Here's Indeed. Apply for a job now. A lot of these employers will get right back to you. You could be to work in a week. What do you mean? You're not being serious. I, I mean, completely serious. You teach a man to fish, right? He can fish for a lifetime. He feed himself for a lifetime. You give him a fish, he's got one meal. So, you yeah. know, I'm just doing what the good Lord told me, what the what old JC said. Uh, 
I'm teaching a man to fish, which is ironic, uh, because I think that conversation happened with this, uh, who knows what the lady really looked like, but she had these, um, heavy set pictures on, uh, plenty of fish and, uh, was trying to hit me up out of nowhere for, for, uh, dollars and cents. I was trying to think of the rapper that I think it's Pharaoh, the guy who sings the song Dollars and Cents. It's a pretty good song. It was used in uh, UFC's uh, build-ups back in the day. Um, one of the other things is I was talking about irresponsible births is that I've got another note here for breeding at the later stages, yeah, of life. So many folks, and when you when you get into this dating stuff, be very clear if you're fixed, if you want more kids, if you don't, because those are vital decisions that affect like the future of a household. Well, I'm trying to have one more kid, lady. You're like 39 years old, and this is where the math and the science and this dating you know thing may may take a turn that some of you guys are not going to want to go down. But at the end of the day, genetic studies, and, and you can look at this, and I've you know my personal observations from working in restaurants. The young folks that come in do not have these crazy situations with uh, allergies and all these special circumstances. When you have children at the peak of your physical condition when you're younger, you have the healthiest kids there are. And then if you start to have kids when you're later in life, those are the kids, man. You, I worked my whole career. Now it's time to have kids. Well, I'm glad you saved up a bunch of money because you're at a higher risk to have birth defects and have things that are going to cost. You know, you're going to live a different lifestyle with that kid, Be, probably. Now, not every kid is like that. It's a it's a minor portion of of people who are actually disabled, but the higher portion of the small disabled folks. Uh, it's because of irresponsible things that happen often when they're being conceived. And some of that has to do with younger people polluting um, the process uh, through the use of drugs, if they were anorexic. If, and there's all kinds of things, unhealthy behaviors that will affect the birth of a child. Okay, Genetics can do that too. But generally speaking, as you start aging out of the birthing process and then still trying to conceive, you run the risk of some very... Nasty things happen. And you're not doing the kid that you're bringing into the world any favors. He didn't exist or she didn't exist before and doesn't have to. And I'm not talking about the, the option of pro-life and pro-choice. I'm saying don't conceive. You're, the time's up, right? Like your chance to play pro sports is gone. You know, I, I appreciate the old movies, the rookie and, you know, all these things, right? But this is, this is a fairy tale. You know, as you get older, you know, you're. I'm going to have my kids at 40. Really? So when he graduates, you're going to be 58 sitting in the stands. And then the other folks who had their kids at like 22 are going to be 40 sitting in the stands. It's going to look like a generational difference. And it is in some cultures. I mean, you know, every 18 years, you know, they're they're flipping them out because that's their nature. They grow up. They want to conceive. They want to have a family. They want to get together. And... Um, that's their cycle of things. They're not having kids, you know, later and later. Uh, and it's, it's unfortunate to see. But you need to be clear with other people if you're still looking at that. And you need to be very clear with yourself if you're thinking, I'm, I'm in my late 30s. I got time for one more kid. Yeah, and whoever the unfortunate guy is, because it's improbable that your relationship will last. Number one, you're single going into it right now at a later stage in your life, which means you're less likely to be successful, quite frankly. And 
if the divorce rate's already 50 or 60%, depending on what your demographics are, now you've got a high-risk kid growing up with a single parent who's you know, looking at the, the twilight years of his parents, you know, earning potential as they're getting older. You know, you're eating into their retirement and their savings and stuff by that point. And, you know, it's, a, it's just not a pretty thing. It's not a pleasant thing. I don't like to have very unpleasant things on my on my podcast here. Sometimes a little word of warning would be, you know. There was a manager I was working for who was, he was full of conspiracy theories and going bald. and He would take his money out of the bank. He was like, yeah, the country's going to hell and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And you'd get up every single day and you'd be like, hey, nothing's really that different. And you'd be like, yeah. Sure, they're running around protesting now. But at some point, the government's going to hit the debt ceiling and you can't have all these people out of work and just burning through resources. I'm not saying anything's right or wrong. It, it costs money to send people checks when they're out of work. It costs money to rebuild infrastructure if you start tearing your cities and everything else up. And quite frankly, uh, it, it, it in the long run, Everything that you're not doing positively today, if you're tearing it down and doing it, it'll be that much longer and that much more expensive. And at some point, the system breaks, you know, or people just move somewhere else. I mean, people who have wealth have resources and they can move. They don't have to stay there. Let's be very clear about that. You start wrecking these towns and cities, <laughs> good people will leave. What do you think happens to these places where the factory closes down, you know? Some of the people who are farming the land or whatever, it doesn't bother them. But, you know, the people who can, they leave, you know. Uh, and, and anyway, this young man that I was working for, well, he's not that young of a man. But, uh, you know, he had a fiery temper. And he was all about, you know, he was older age. And he'd bark, 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 bark. And, and fuck, you know, <coughs> he had a way he thought things ought to be. He'd made up his mind a long time ago and nothing was changing for him. And I think that's what's what's so sad about some of these folks that I have, you know, in, in mind when I think about them conceiving kids late in life and stuff. They made up their mind a long time ago. They're not going to be told they're wrong. They're going to, I'm going to find somebody to do it or die trying or whatever. And it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. There's all these kids out of here that somebody could be adopting, they could be fostering, whatever, that are healthy. And they're going to run the risk of doing all this ugly stuff, you know. What would be the solution to marry uh, white privilege and um, the protests? Adopt their kids. Give them the white privilege. What? Yeah. Marry them together. Now you got both of them in the same household. Should balance out, right? I mean, that's the math of it. Think about that. What else have I got on my list here? When you hear people giggle, yes, if you can uh, exchange voice messages or get to the point where you like, you can get on the telephone or a video chat or something, when you hear somebody giggling, you're making some fucking progress. And if that takes making a fool out of yourself, do it. And these, there's plenty of stories that are going to come up in my uh, restaurant uh, tales that, yeah, I make a fool of myself. You know, why? So other so other people are entertained because it raises the energy level of the room. I'm not giving away my integrity or dignity or something to sit back and say something. that. Oh, um, you, maybe somebody gives you their phone number and they text you. Um, I'm sorry, they give you their phone, their phone number, but you text them quickly. 
number came in, right away, boom, they got a reply, not on this platform, but in their inbox. Bam. And they go, man, that was fast. And um, you might say something like, well, that's what she said. And they're like, wait, what? I hope she didn't say that. Right, because now they said you, you, you basically you came too fast or whatever the ironic joke is. And yes, but I did that on purpose so that I could, because the follow-up message might be like, no, 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 that's not what she said. Oops, sad face, crying face, whatever. Now you've made a jackass out of yourself. They just don't know you did it on purpose. And if they do know you did it on purpose, then they know you got a sense of humor and humility so that you can poke fun at yourself. And that's when people will giggle because they feel less uh, guarded. They can, you know, fucking be silly. People don't like to giggle in front of people that they don't like. So if they're giggling, they like you. And generally speaking, and you know this from your high school days and whatever, when people are getting mad at you, they're mad at you, but they have to care about you to be mad at you. As I've said many a time, the first process, the, the first step in any process is to give a fuck, you know? And, excuse me, if they don't care, they can't get mad, you know? You see how it is. I mean, this girl that I used to date who was, she had some health conditions and stuff, and she used to tell me that I would get her madder than, you used to make me so mad! And I was like, cool. That must mean that you care about me or you're going to love me. And she's like, I don't know. But nobody's ever made me so mad before, and whatever, whatever. And I thought to myself, well, um, to me, that's a compliment. Because... Um, you're letting me in, and sometimes you do stuff to rile each other up, not to the point of being unhealthy or toxic. You just want to be able to, you know, get somebody going, have a little fun, practical jokes. And, you know, this generation of people acts like that's an ugly thing, but then they'll go on YouTube and watch these couples prank each other. Now, how the hell does that make any sense? You think that's entertaining as hell, but your boyfriend and you, or, you know, the guy you're talking to, whatever, you guys can't go back and forth verbally, but these people are hitting each other with water balloons and powdering each other and whatever else they're doing. Oh, that's hilarious. Well, let's do it in your relationship. Uh, mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, you know, don't be uppity. Have a sense of humility. I mean, that's super important because at the end of the day, if you can't do those things and can't be flexible like that, I just can't see where you can take your relationship in terms of dynamics. You know, at some point, you're going to want to be able to go out and say hello to different people and open the door and, you know, maybe introduce um, new friends or entertain people because you're having uh, your kids are going to have other folks over. You're going to throw a party. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You got to be humble, you know. You can't just always, you know, walk around and, and be likable by being, you know, Mr. Invincible all the time. If people don't think you can cry in front of them and stuff like that, you know, why is she going to be with you if you can't show your emotions? I'm not saying that the emotions have the kind of value that I was talking about earlier where somebody says, well, those are my emotions. They are valid. Well, okay, but they only hold that value to you. So if we're arguing the point, you can't say, well, the emotion trumps the facts because that's just not how it feels, right? And you're not being mean to them by telling them, like, here is the information that I have great confidence you can use, right? Honey, I'm telling you this because I believe in you. I think you can understand it. I think we can go with it, and we're going to make progress. It's going to be better in the future. But right now, I'm so upset. I understand that. And I'm here for you while you are upset. I just want to make sure we understand what the best practices are, okay? 
Doesn't mean I don't care about your, you can't just come lay on my chest, fall asleep, whatever. Great. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to drop, you know, whatever the the eccentric thing that we're arguing about is, right? You got the, you know, hand wash. Like I said, I don't feel like washing my hands when I come out of the bathroom. Well, we're going to do it, right? And I'm here for you. I understand. I sympathize with you. You don't want to do it. Maybe you, you know. Fear of drowning or whatever the fuck it is. You know, I just can't, for the life of me, you get into situations where people start weighing emotions over, like, the actual well-being or the best choice that you can make. That is getting to the borderline of unhealthy or of retro progress. Or I guess that wouldn't be, I don't know if that's a word. But you're, you're taking things from being a discussion and from being where you want to share ideas, you want to get everybody on board, you want to make an agreement, you want to get into a better place together. And one person decides, like, oh, I just don't feel good. And so and so you're holding everybody back. You know, it'd be like getting sick on a hiking trip or something. Now we got to carry your ass. And, and I understand that, like, there's going to be people, they're, they're not all cut from the same cloth, they're not going to understand everything the same way. But if you're looking for somebody as a partner, if you're looking to date, you got to find somebody who's on your wavelength. If you're trying to have full-length discussions, you're leaving long messages with periods and full sentences and everything, and then they come back at you with nonsense. No punctuation, no capitalization. It just looks like they put it together while they're, you know, wiping off the crumbs off their phone at Biscuitville. Well, you know, come on, man. Hit the microphone. Just voice to text the whole thing. At least it'll get the capitalization right. You can speak the punctuation in any phone, you know, period, comma, exclamation point. doesn't matter. And even if you didn't, you can do an overwhelming majority of the work by hitting voice to text and just going back in there and editing that message. And there's nothing that says you have to have the message done in 30 seconds to send it. If it takes longer to format it, take longer, send a longer message as well, because that's a good thing, and then communicate effectively. That short, choppy crap where you just like throw something back at somebody, it's disorganized. It insults me to think that somebody decided that was worth sending. That, those are your values? Well, we don't get along. But I said what you want me to. You, you know what I mean. Nah, I don't know what you mean. We talked about this in a different episode where I, said, I always say we talked about it. I talked about it. You know, you gave me the, your, your math homework and the answer was wrong. And I go, well, you didn't show your work. And you, well, you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean. Fail. You know, I just can't. Like, for the life of me, I'm not going to cut everybody a free pass just, you know, for that nonsense that, you know, well, you should be able to build a bridge between my logic and reality. No, that's your job, asshole. Quite frankly, we've all got the same public education opportunities. People can go to higher learning places. Well, not everybody. Yeah, you look, if if you work and you have a little bit of credit, they'll accept you. And there's grants everywhere and everything else. I mean, there's people who, you know, came to this country, didn't speak the language and everything else, weren't a citizen, and they're graduating from the universities, you know. If you have access to the social systems and you're born here and you can vote and everything else, you know, you'd be ashamed of yourself if you're not <clears throat> taking it. If you approach it in a way that you don't have, you're not afforded the same access as people, you know. No, man, because that other stuff is... Mm. You have an advantage over people who are outworking you. Their work ethic is better than your work ethic. That's the raw version of it. And that's really the thing that matters the most. 
They want to try where you won't try. Remember that. I've had many conversations with people through different things in the past, uh, dating-wise, work-wise, whatever. I'm trying harder than you're trying. All I'm doing is asking you to try the, the best you can. Maybe, you know, our efficiency, our output is not going to be equal. I can lift more than you. I can work faster than you. Okay. But all I'm asking you to do is 95% of what you can do. And I'm fine with that. And that's all I've ever approached any relationship like, you know. If I'm talking to you and beating you, to, oh, you're, you're always saying this stuff because I believe you can change. What do you want me to tell you, honey? I see better things. Like, I think I learned it. There's no reason you can't learn whatever it is about yourself. But, like, right now, if your bank account is is on the last legs and you've got these other things that are coming due and you're disorganized, oh, can I get you how to do the laundry? I got a meal prep. Right. Well, block off your time. Sit down and take a piece of notebook paper and go. For all the time that you spend on any kind of social media, you could be doing that on a legal pad and trying to to organize your day. And then you get to reward yourself maybe with the social media. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's it's easy to get lost in that stuff because there's no effort involved. You don't have to get up. You don't have to change it. There's no you know hanging up wet clothes or cooking you know food and getting your hands greasy or anything else. I understand. Like that's your form of video games as you get older. But if you're a person who really wants an effective relationship, then you need to hold other people accountable and go, look, you can do these things. Here's the time to do it. You're just spending all this stuff. You're an alcoholic. You're spending all your time on alcohol. Guess what? You could be a brick mason and, and build wonderful things and give people warm houses. But you're at the bottom of a bottle. So drop that and then spend your time doing something else. That's what they do when they send people to rehab. They reallocate all of their time. They're in meetings part of the day and exercising this and doing different exercises mentally and one-on-ones where they can take those people and reprogram how they spend their time effectively so they never want the ineffective version of their time, which is, you know, pissing it away, you know, by drinking all that alcohol. I mean, there's a quote that I wrote down somewhere here that's something like that. Some people... <laughs> it's, it says some people open wide when a girl squirts, and some people drink beer. Uh, yeah, some people are piss drinkers. What do you want me to say? That was, it was I, I thought it was a funny line. Anyway, when I have sat down and I've made these lists, there's some things that I just I haven't decided how I'm going to approach them because they cross different graphic lines or otherwise, and uh, I just you know I just think that I don't know. Uh, if people want to hear those kind of things, I guess there are podcasts where you can go listen to them. I think the closest thing is you're going to hear from me. I, I tell you what, I'll uh, I'll knock this off the list and and I'll I'll tell it to you. Um, I in the past have said that if you are a man who wants to make the best use of his woman, you need to explore them. You can ask them, but you need to explore them. Rub their feet. See if their toes pop. Do they like being rubbed behind the knees? Where's their tickle the spots? You know, and you figure those things out because you want to not have uncomfortable situations. You don't want to. You don't want to hit somebody where they're going to be ticklish because that'll ruin the mood if you're being intimate. Maybe now, maybe you want to tickle them to see their smile and then compliment them on their smile and then kiss their face and you know put it in a different manner. You know, be semi-aggressive or whatever you're doing. Right. That's it's a tool, but it's also an area to avoid in most situations. Right, you know, delicate the way you use it. Um, 
but a woman's body is very much like uh I would say a musical instrument is the way I've always said it. And everybody is very different. So everybody sounds differently and they, they operate differently. But if you find the places on your person to highlight and to use, the music that you can make is beyond imagination. I mean, there's endless combinations of things you can do with the right time, if you bring in accessories, whatever. And and that's where it comes down to this, you know, do you really understand your partner? Can you talk to them in a way that you can still prove a point to them without setting off the emotional mind, you know, the landmines, minefield is what I was going to say. Um, but when it comes to, to doing things intimately, like if her body's a musical instrument, think of it like this. You, you start at the top of her head, some people... You know, they like their head scratched. Some rubbed. Some don't want to be touched. Some want their hair pulled. Some want, you know. And uh, as you move down, <coughs> you can go in the reverse order from the feet up. It doesn't matter. But you know where where different spots are. You've got everything from the sides of your head. And you caress her cheek with the palm of your hand. Or you're kissing her ears. Or you're doing hot breath in different places. But there's places that are too sensitive. You don't want to put a bunch of pressure on somebody's clavicle bone on the shoulder. That's uncomfortable. Four pounds of pressure will break it. Right? Some people want you to wrap your hand around their neck and, you know, treat them like Guantanamo Bay. And that's perfectly fine for the right person, but you need to know that whoever you're with, that you're building towards something as a team and you're not taking advantage of whatever uh, gift they're giving you to be in their personal space. And hell, if you want to make the person you're with the happiest, then they need to be part of whatever you're building. Well, this one's for me. I'm going to slap you around. I'm going to treat you like this. I'm going to sling yogurt on your face. Yeah, take that, baby. Why? Why would you do that? What have you just said? You've just said that your standards are that a woman is trash and she's basically, you know, this controllable... I don't know, target for whatever your anger and ugly fantasies are, right? But I've seen it on the internet. Isn't that cool? No, it's not, because now you've got this woman who you've devalued, and now you are a guy who has a less valuable woman. You didn't build her up. You treated her like a dog. Well, I don't, hopefully you're not doing that to your dog, but you know what I mean. It's one of those things where you everything that you treat your partner like You've now said that's what your standard is. You know, once you start calling her names, you no good line sex, right? All right. Well, if you're with her next week, guess what? You're now a guy whose standard is not no good line sack of shit. So, I mean, be careful what you say to them because you can't take that stuff out and mean it. Okay. Maybe you didn't mean it, but you said it now, right? Like I said earlier about being accusatory. You don't want to say that stuff out loud because then people think that you think less of them. And you don't want that to be the premise of things. You want people to think that you trust them until they give you a reason not to. Or you're trying to build trust so you just don't say necessarily everything that bothers you. You want to wait and be patient and see how it turns out. I cannot stress that enough. But if you treat your woman... You know, like these girls, and you know, you give them names and slap them around. You got a leash on them, and you, you know, yeah, we're into that kind of stuff. Is that what you're into? Oh, 
I've always said it was ironic that the number one movie and everything, you know, these women want equality and the top pay and they want, we want to be treated equal. We want to be CEOs, make all this money and everything. Right. And then the number one movie and book. And then you guys want us to handcuff you and slap you around and treat you like a slave in the bedroom. Now, do you want to be in control and you want to conquer the world or do you want to be treated, you know, well, can we have both? No, not really. You can't have both because then you've got a personality disorder. I don't, uh, Anthony, help me out with this. Uh, you wouldn't be bipolar, but it's, you certainly would be something where you, you have this seven uh, types of ambiguity kind of thing going on. And I just look at that and say, you need to answer some questions and get your story straight. You're going through a learning phase. That's what, that's what you're doing. You know, you're trying to figure things out because that right there, those two things are two extremes, Right. And that could lead to some dangerous things, right? So you don't you don't have a balance. And I don't think having, you know, one fat guy on this end of the seesaw and two, you know, fat kids on this end of the seesaw is a balance. Well, sure, they end up, you know, that's 400 pounds and that's 400 pounds. Which sounds okay, right? That's too much weight for the seesaw, asshole. You're missing the whole point here. You're going to break it. So, you know. Treat everything accordingly. Anyway, this is getting a little long for me. I've still got a bunch of notes to do episode three of The Dating. And uh, I got to, to throw in a little vulgarity. I got to tell some different stories. Hopefully you've been entertained. But uh, it's been a very quiet night. I know some people are looking forward to me telling some some more work stories. Uh, and, and giving them the dirt on uh, some sensitive situations. But that's going to have to wait because... Uh, I like to compose myself. I like to have everything organized. Like I said about the 20 questions and everything else. And do your homework. Tell the best story you can tell. But make sure it's the truth. So, anyway, I hope you guys have had a great afternoon, night, morning, wherever you might be listening to this. And I appreciate you spending your time on me. Like I said, we're on iTunes and iHeartRadio. I share it on social media. You can subscribe and share it any way you like to. And if you have feedback, <laughs> throw it at me. You know. I'm not a dog, but, you know, anything you want to shoot my way, you're more than welcome. Have a good one. <laughs>